This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Creating in Sunshine, we explore the intersection between location and advertising and take a look at how Miami is becoming the new advertising hotspot. Today's guest is Caitlin Holt, a marketing professional, travel enthusiast, and creative. Kate is the founder of Hitch Agency, a fully integrated creative and media marketing agency based in Miami, which develops customized creative marketing strategies from scratch, including standout content for your brand and putting that content in front of the ideal customer. She has worked with companies such as Equifax, Romero Brito Art, the Museum of Ice Cream, USA Today, Kelly Moss Road and Race, and Moda Operandi. She's also a former ballerina and a car enthusiast. Kate, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Kate. Thank you so much, guys. It's great to be here. So, Kate, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I'm from South Carolina originally. I've been in Miami for about two years now. Um, and I absolutely love it here. Before I got into marketing, I actually used to be a professional ballerina. So I've had a complete change in career path, but it's been going great. I love what I do and I feel like, super lucky. Well, you know, advertising in Miami is not really synonymous with each other. I mean, when people think about advertising, think of New York. Uh, Chicago, San Francisco, and maybe LA is kind of one of the new markets. And so the fact that Miami has become an emerging market is really interesting and want to unpack that. But first, I want to talk about your origin, right? I mean, most people who get into advertising have either been a writer, um, perhaps a artist, um, perhaps they went to school for marketing, and you were a ballerina. Tell me how you got into marketing from dance. Yeah, um, it was certainly a wild ride. Um, I had been dancing since the age of two. It was all that I knew my whole life. I was convinced that I was going to be professional until I would retire around like 35. Um, so I grew up so focused on dance. Uh, I would train up around like eight hours a day. I was very, very intense into that lifestyle. Um so whenever I had graduated from high school, I moved from my home to Atlanta to dance with the Atlanta Ballet in their trainee program. And during that time, I developed a, a stress fracture in my foot and didn't know. Um, so then I went away for the summer to the San Francisco Ballet to potentially move out there. Wait, wait, while I'm, I, I'm sorry. I mean, you didn't know you had a stress factor? I mean, like, did, did, no. it didn't hurt? I mean, it did hurt, but not as much as you would think. Um, I just thought, you know, I was overusing my foot some, so I would ice it. And in my head, I was hoping that everything was fine and kind of lying to myself. I mean, like, you're not injured. You're fine. Just keep pushing through. Well, you know, if anyone's ever looked at a ballerina's feet, it, it that looks painful just to take a step, regardless of if you have a fracture or not. Yes, the shoes are are really intense. Um, it's crazy to think that I would wear them for five or six hours per day. Uh, but once I got out to San Francisco, my injury uh, really escalated, and I ended up breaking my foot. One of the bones snapped completely in half when I was jumping. And so I had to take some time off. And during that time, 
uh, we found out that I actually had some deterioration in one of my joints in my foot. And I would have had to have surgery to go back to dance full time. So at that point, I decided I didn't want to do that. And I knew that I needed to kind of choose something else to do with my life. I spent six months being completely depressed. For a while, I even thought, oh, I want to be a photographer, like a travel photographer for National Geographic or something. Um, So going for the big bucks. Yeah. (laughs) Or just being able to travel everywhere that really um, appealed to, to me. So I thought I wanted to do that. Then I thought about teaching dance for a while. But eventually, um, my dad, he actually started talking to me about marketing. And he convinced me to sign up for some classes in that at the Savannah College of Art and Design. And I just ended up falling in love with it. I didn't realize that there was so much that you could do with advertising and marketing. Um, You can work in almost any industry or multiple industries. You can take a more creative route or you could take a more business focused route. So for me, the options were kind of endless from that point. And I had the chance to explore so many different industries during that time. Well, it's interesting that you started off as an athlete and have become an entrepreneur. To me, it seems like there's a lot of a lot in common between the drive that you need to be an athlete, especially in a sport where it's a little more individual in terms of your dance or tennis or golf, where you really have to you have to be the driver, you have to be the executor, you have to be the expert on on what is needed to prepare. And I think a lot of that kind of kind of plays into the entrepreneur which basically is the is the person that who's basically their will and their will alone is what drives something from nothing do you find that that experience even though it was a bit heartbreaking at, at the time helped you prepare for for the rigors of of building your own business yes 100 percent uh a lot of people might not know but dance is really cutthroat you're around the same people every day and you're almost like in this bubble where you're all friends with each other, but everyone at the same time wants to be the star of the show. There's only one Cinderella in the ballet Cinderella. There's only one um, Sleeping Beauty in Sleeping Beauty. So everyone, you all love each other, but you're also competing against each other. So that is definitely where I developed that drive and that hunger to be successful and It's actually pretty common. A lot of ballerinas have gone off to do their own thing. Um, One of the most common examples I can think of is the there's a girl who founded, I think, the company Mirror, which was bought by Lululemon pretty recently. She was a professional ballerina in her past life. So it's not uncommon to, to see that happen. Well, you know, they say in entrepreneurship, there's no I in team, but as an entrepreneur, I uh, pay the bills, I uh, clean the office, (laughs) I run the errands, right? So, I mean, yeah, I can have to do multiple jobs and there is no uh, ego uh, when it it comes to that because success uh, is all on your shoulders. So moving down to, so, okay, let's just fast forward for a moment, right? You, You were in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then you decided to get into advertising. You went to school for that. Mm-hmm. Um, or did you go to school? For, you went to school for that, right? Yeah, and then you decided at one point to come down to Miami. Now, I think you said you were in Miami for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, two years ago was kind of an interesting time to be down in Miami. Of course, yeah. 
it might have been just before the pandemic, I would say. Yeah. Right. So it, things were bustling. I remember Miami just before the pandemic was a time when entrepreneurship was big. Companies are moving down there. You had uh, Chewy that was huge. You had um, a virtual reality company that was big. Tech was big. So there's a lot of opportunity that that people saw in Miami as a crypto. Business. Crypto yeah. as, as an economy, as a market. So it makes sense as someone in advertising to want to set up shop to help these companies grow. Was that, and, and obviously that's, that's changed since then, in some cases for the better, right? A lot more companies have moved down and a lot more people have moved down to Miami. So the, the opportunity to do business and the workforce has increased. Um, but what were you seeing as an opportunity when you came down to Miami two years ago? And what are you seeing today? Yeah, I think you honestly did a great job of summing up exactly that. I was coming down here, traveling down here a lot for business. Um, I had gotten like a big client down here that I was working with a lot. And so I was just traveling down. And when I would come, I would I would never want to leave. I would it would be my last day in town. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so sad to to have to go back home. I want to be here. There's so much happening here. Um, it's always beautiful weather. Uh, there's art everywhere. There's so much culture. It almost felt like going to a different country. It was unlike anywhere else that I had spent a lot of time in. That was also to me kind of just like the prime time right before the pandemic. So many people were realizing like, wait, Miami has the potential to be kind of the next big place in the United States. So we might as well get in now while we can and kind of establish a name for ourselves here. Um, and that's kind of what you said with a lot of those businesses. They were looking for, you know, kind of a second home or another location where they could grow and expand really quickly while there's still a lot of opportunity. Especially when half the country or most country was closed and Florida and Miami were one of the first to reopen. So businesses could actually do business here. Exactly. Yes. I saw a major boom in hospitality, um, restaurants, art, tech, almost every category kind of exploded during the pandemic where the rest of the U.S. was kind of suffering or everyone else was stuck indoors. We we got very lucky here. I think it almost felt like we didn't have, um, of course, you know, people were getting sick and it's very awful, but I think we we got a lot less of that here. And some of it is just because of the environment and how um, nice outside it is. People don't get secure as much, I feel like. And what did the landscape look like in terms of the advertising industry to you when you first got here versus where we are today? Yeah. Um, when I first got here, I found it a little bit harder to meet new clients, I would say. Um, but that some of that could be just because I was so new. You know, no one really knew anyone yet. I hadn't met a really solid circle of friends. But now that I've been here for around two years, uh, I get invited to go to networking or events all the time. Uh, so I'm constantly being introduced to business owners or um, brands who might need someone to help with their marketing. So I think that it's definitely helped to stay somewhere for a longer period of time and get established. You've worked at a small firm. You've built a firm from nothing. Alex worked at some of the biggest firms in the world. Uh, what's it like being small, a small fish in a big pond versus big fish in a small pond or something like that, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely different. Um, and, you know, people feel differently about it. It has been very cool to work on large accounts in my past time at um, different agencies. That is an incredible experience. I remember the first time I sent someone or a client an invoice for a million dollars when I worked at an agency, I, I was shaking because I just couldn't believe that someone would spend that much on one campaign. Um, so there's that side of it. It's very glamorous. It's almost that like madman type of lifestyle where you're constantly running around and having to come up with new ideas very quickly on the fly because the client is so big that they expect the best of the best. Um, so now that I am working with more like mid-sized brands, it's it's definitely a different perspective. I personally like it better because I feel like I have the opportunity to help someone grow more versus working with a billion dollar business who just kind of needs to maintain. Uh, so I, I love that aspect of it, helping people grow or really being able to make an impact on their business is something that I'm really passionate about. It it gives me a good feeling and it's very rewarding. You know, it's, it's funny. We talk about a billion dollar business. I mean, you know, a lot of ways, billion dollar businesses are not that different than million dollar businesses and not that different from $10,000 businesses. I mean, everyone needs to grow. I mean, the scale is a lot different in terms of the size, but the work that you do, um, the creativity as an agency, the, the 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 time that you spend, it could in fact be the same with a client, with someone who um, is a mom and pop um, shop that need, that spends, they spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week working on their business. Um, and as a result, um, so will you as the advertising. Mm -hmm. right? So um, I think there's a lot of similarities there. I, I want to talk a little bit about Miami and, you know, Southern Florida, right? You know, when you think about, uh, oh, an open up an agency, as I mentioned before, you think about the major uh, markets, uh, but there's a reason for that, right? In New York, um, a lot of reasons why New York was a big market was because there were big businesses that were there. Um, you know, you you could make a lot of money as an advertising agency selling your services to large companies that were spending spending large dollars. Um, in the same case, that was New York, right? New York had pretty much every industry at one point, uh, and then the Midwest and Chicago became a place because of retail, um, primarily, and pharmaceuticals were huge. That was big, and then um, San Francisco. Francisco was big tech, that whole region. And then Los Angeles became popular relatively recently because of entertainment. Now, Miami, you wonder, okay, what's the, I've always wondered what the industry is in Miami. Of course, you've got hospitality. So you've got, um, you know, you've got hotels, you've got um, resorts. A lot of time, a lot of time gateway. Like well, well, the, well there's that too, right? So I was going to get there in the sense that you know, you've got hospitality, but then you also have, you know, so the, the, it always had been the the hub for Latin America for a lot of industries. Um, and then, but that's a very specific focus because you're not really advertising in the US, uh, Latinos or Latinx, you're advertising in Brazil or Mexico from a base in Miami. But that's changed, right? And, and, and so there are, industries now that are making their home in Miami, a lot of which are B2B, uh, right? So you've got a lot of financial institutions that don't necessarily need advertising. Maybe they do. I don't know. Um, but um, what are the other industries that you find most um, 
you know, most comfortable or, or most recently settled now in Miami that may have not been there previously. I know you talked about Romero Brito, who I love. It's, he's kind of like the, the the face or the design of Miami. Yes, uh, see him sure. everywhere. So I don't know if that's that part and part of your work that you did for him. But you know, what are the types of things? Is it art? Tell me what were the industries that you would see most um, most needing or most uh, looking for advertising services? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So my top three that I def- I work in are definitely um, food and beverage, uh, art, and then hospitality. Food and beverage, I feel like, especially beverage, is a really upcoming um, category. There's quite a few beverage brands and alcohol brands that I have met the founders of or worked with recently. Um, startups that are really trying to grow quickly and then sell to a larger company like Pepsi or Coke. Um, it seems like that's a really grow a quickly growing category here. And art, of course, we have one of the probably the largest art show in the world. I forget the number of people that came down just last week for Art Basel, but I think I was reading something somewhere that said it was like the most visited event in Miami in history this particular year, which is crazy. Um, I can tell from the traffic. Yeah, I, I mean, I believe it for sure. Um, those two. And then I would also say real estate is huge here. And you obviously need great content and marketing to be successful in that because it's incredibly competitive. Um, yeah, it's a point. That's a great point. I wonder, I look at these ads, whether it's an Ocean Drive magazine or you see advertising for real estate, and I wonder how do they differentiate themselves? It seems like every building has the gorgeous pool. Every building has the has the kids center. Every building has beautiful balconies. Every building has a nice view. How do you differentiate all these buildings that are going up? That must be very difficult from an advertising point of view. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it definitely is crazy. And even we have um, a lot of companies like Baccarat or Porsche, uh, Bentley that want to sponsor these developments happening in Miami um, versus another city. So that's something really unique that we have going on here too. Not to mention um, everything that's going on with crypto currently. I can't say that I'm an expert in that industry at all, but um, I know they they dubbed Miami as like the crypto capital of the world. So you have Yay. to wonder. <laughs> other people are seeing seeing the potential here, and they want to start. Like I feel like everyone's kind of competing right now to to figure out what will Miami really be known for in the next ten years. Will it be the home of crypto, the home of art? the real estate capital of the world. Like what, what will it be? Well, let's just hope that Miami doesn't fall underwater. I mean, the, the sea levels are rising. So that may be Miami's future in 10 years. Just be the can't first be. underwater city. Um. <laughs> the first under, you know, uh, in many ways than, than, than one uh, for sure. Hopefully New people Atlantis. get money back. <laughs> New Atlantis. Atlantis 2025. <laughs> the crypto, the crypto abyss. I got to say one more comment. The comment you made about beverage is so interesting because ever since Clooney sold his tequila brand for a billion dollars, every single famous celebrity, anybody who has millions of followers on TikTok or Instagram are all coming out with a gin or a vodka or a tequila. And how do you differentiate yourself aside from the fact that it's Clooney's te- tequila? So what? Yep. I think that used to work super well when a celebrity would come out with a unique product like that or you know a beauty brand but now it seems 
And I think people are honestly getting a little tired of it. They're like, here's another celebrity launching their own beauty brand or their own alcohol. We've been there. We've done that, you know, and a lot of times the product that they come out with isn't even the great quality. So someone might get it one time just because they're a big fan, but they're not likely to become like a repeat customer. So I want to hear what you think, because I, I I was going to say, well, hey, what's the alternative? Right. I mean, you know, to your point, you've got, you know, Clooney, you've got Reynolds, you've got The Rock, you got all these guys creating stuff. Kendall Jenner has something now, some tequila or something. Her tequila brand, yeah. Yeah, and so, but you also you have you have the traditional celebrities, and I would put, I would classify them as traditional, and then you have the untraditional celebrities who are the influencers. Who, unless you follow them, you have no idea who they are, but they've got you know millions of followers. Exactly. And then you've got people like, um, not like you and me, but but people who are artisans and know their craft. And like, you know, I, I've, I've been um, uh, working in the industry for 25 years and my grandfather's passed down recipe of gin or bourbon mm-hmm. is now going into this bottle and it's authentic, you know, there's this level of authenticity and quality that's kind of now become a thing. It's like, I'll pay eight times more than the market because it's exclusive or it's perhaps scarce of some kind. Um, and so there's, is that it? I mean, what else is there? I mean, yeah, I think there's so many ideas in this world, right? Like the potential is kind of unlimited. I want to see someone do something different. Like I'd love to be able to stand behind a celebrity and see them do something that no one else has ever ever done before i don't know um yeah like become a really a standout artist or invent some kind of new like luggage brand or just something different you know not like the typical alcohol route it seems like they want to be creative you know like they got famous from acting singing and they're very talented in that but i think inherently people want to be creative so Jessica Alba, for example, did a great job with her honest mm-hmm. company. I think that's a really good example of how. Yeah, she's you know, been that, extremely successful with that. Much more successful than she ever was as an actress, not to take anything away from her acting ability, but yeah, she was no, never true, that though. A-list actress. She was kind of the B-list and she turned that into a huge company. It's true. Yeah. And her, her I think, approach comes across as very authentic. I think she was a very passionate mother and she wanted products that um, were natural and safe for her family to be able to use. So, well, you know, that just it talks a little bit about marketing, right? I mean, it's about having a really good story to tell that's relevant for the people that um, need to need to hear it, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess the, you know, a lot of ways that's the business that you're in. How do you tell great stories and how do you connect that story with the people that matter? And um, knowing what we know now about the world and how, I know there's a trend for people to get back into the office, but for the most part, hybrid work is a thing. Uh, so people can really work anywhere, um, sort you know, kind of sort of, I mean, depending on what industry you're in. I wonder, is advertising, because there's a connection to the consumer, but of course, a lot of that is happening online anyway, is there a, um, would you say as an industry advertising, you could kind of work anywhere? And so being in Miami, does it matter? Uh, does, is it because the clients are there, you need to talk to them? Or is it because there are better people to hire in Miami necessarily? Like what is the, what are some of the things, obviously we talked about it from a, from an industry potential client standpoint, 
What are the other things that make Miami interesting um, as a advertising, as an owner of an advertising agency? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For me, I think there's people traveling in and out of here all the time. So you have, you can kind of sit here and not, I mean, not to say that I haven't done my fair share of traveling, but whenever I am here, I feel like I'm meeting people from all over the world all the time. So that's a really unique aspect of it. You might connect with someone from Los Angeles or New York or Dubai, which I've done before. And then six months later, they contact you and they're like, hey, can you help me out with this? So it's very good to be able to be in a place where there's people. It's kind of like a a melting pot, right? There's people coming from all around. Also, Miami is a very social place, right? When people come here, they're not going to just go out to one restaurant and go back to their hotel. Like they're going to go want to sit at a lounge somewhere or go to a show or go to a beach club. And I think those environments create really a good time to be able to talk about business and talk about what you might be doing. So you never know. I've, I've learned that in Miami, you never know when you might meet someone or come across someone. So you always have to be on your game for sure. You know, I, I like that because I think, you know, advertising and in, in, in the creative profession of marketing is very social. It's very fun. You know, you got a chance to kick around some ideas and get people excited. And, and Miami is about fun and getting people excited. You know, I, the irony is that, you know, New York was very interesting because you go to New York to learn something. <laughs> you go to the museum, you spend the, money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you go spend money, but you don't, you're spending money on some sort of cultural, you know, experience. experience. Exactly. You show, you're doing something great. We're in Miami, you're just going out to party and to, to relax. But in, in a sense, though, it makes it a lot more um, open yes. for idea sharing and discussions and meeting yes. people. And so if you're social as a, as a person, uh, you know, it seems like Miami is a good place to be um, versus maybe another market where maybe if you're less social, you can still thrive because it's not necessarily about social interaction. It's about kind of, you know, the opera or or poetry reading or something like that. Exactly. But I think the beauty of it is we we have that all of that here, too. Like we get good shows here. We we have everything here. We we have art here. We have so much culture. So you kind of get the best of both worlds. And I like the point that you made about people being a little more relaxed and open um, versus very focused on the task at hand and what they're doing, because they're more likely to talk to you and you can make a better connection that way. I think both of you made great points about how the flow of people in Miami is, 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 is continues to grow and gives you opportunity to reach different people. Let's take that one more step, which is when I, when I was young and growing up, Basically, advertising came to you in one of three mediums, either print, radio, or TV. And that was it. It was much harder to segment different audiences for particular products. Now, there are so many avenues. Even within TV, there are 200 channels. You have all the different social media areas. I get bombarded with advertising from every different aspect of my life. And now with technology and how they can see where you've gone on the internet, then they can target the ad to the same industry that you've been searching. It it seems like there are a lot more opportunities to be much more target specific to an audience. I would I wonder how does that play as an advertiser and and, and how does that play as your pitch to clients in using these different mediums? I'd say the amount of data that a lot of platforms have on people and audience lists that you're able to purchase from different third-party data companies is a little scary. 
a lot of people they don't necessarily understand um they they understand that people are collecting data on you but they don't understand why or what they're doing with it so you are able to get very niche within um these audiences like one unique thing that i did recently was work with an alcohol brand and geofence um store locations that they had and as people were walking into these store locations serve them ads in real time as they were coming in um, to potentially consider purchasing uh, the alcohol brand when they were on site. So that's a pretty new thing that I've been working on recently. And it it almost seems like magic to people that don't understand digital advertising. Uh, but I think, you know, a lot of the old ways in media are kind of dying out some. Uh, so there's a lot of new opportunity to to advertise almost in a more like authentic or fun way. Uh, at Art Basel, I actually saw a few different things that really stood out to me that almost didn't seem like an ad because it was a cool experience. Uh, but I think people like that approach more than just seeing like your typical thing on Facebook or Google. Or... It's a bit of a soft sell. Exactly. Yeah. A soft sell, but so unique that you'll remember it, you know? You know, you raise all these points and which are great. And I think, and I would agree with you, even though I do, you know, um, I'm a traditional, moderately traditional advertising guy, um, I must admit. I, but there, you know, there are layers, right? There are, you know, when it comes to data and the usage of data, we as marketers have relied upon the large platforms to help us manage the ads and then to, to, to make sure that what we pay... And what we put out gets to the right people based on what they know. And they know a lot uh, for obvious reasons. Um, there, But there are things that that advertisers and marketers can do to circumvent the channels. And that's a meta, for example, um, and do their own and do some really creative things. But of course, not everyone can do it because they don't have the technology. They don't have the tools or the talent to be able to, to do these wild things. And so there is a, a small number of very large players that have access to those resources to do really interesting things. So it goes back to um, this notion that large agencies sometimes uh, do have a leg up. Now, of course, that doesn't mean as a small agency, you can't be creative and really do some things that move the needle. But can you do that at scale? And so these are all the questions that that that, are, that have come up. So, and I think we have we could talk about this for for hours. I mean, this is something that really is interesting to me, as I'm sure is interesting to our listeners. But I want to say, in sort of in summary. As a relatively newly formed agency in Miami, what would you want to tell the world and our listeners <laughs> um, uh, about your business and what you're trying to to accomplish to achieve uh, in Miami today? Um, I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down for me to creating campaigns that really help a business stand out above everyone else. So whether that's working with a company to break a world record and have that kind of clout floating around you or um, working with a brand to hire a dancer to stand outside of um, at some event and get people's attention and raise brand awareness in that way. For me, at the end of the day, even though I 
am small and you know I may not be working with the biggest budget yet um it's going to come down to the idea and working with the budget that you do have to push it as far as possible so if you have a good idea there are ways to execute it properly well Kate this has been so interesting and it's so exciting to see how far you've come and how successful you've been in such a short time it says a lot about your abilities it says a lot about Miami is a, a welcoming place for new businesses and it says a lot about the growth that we're seeing in all of the industries that you mentioned uh, for our listeners if we want they want to get in touch with you or your company what is the best way to do that yeah for sure if you want to visit my website it's hitch-agency.com and you can just fill out the contact form and we'll get back to you guys well terrific this has been so exciting and and again so interesting to hear and to have to have the old and the new on the same podcast in one industry yes. is, hey, is hey, really interesting old. hey, hey. <laughs> and, and, and and kate you're not the old <laughs> uh so kate welcome okay, this has been great um good luck and your continued success then in miami i'm looking forward to seeing you soon thank you so much for having me today you've been listening to the real estate podcast Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealstate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week.